welcome to Flourish, where we discuss how to nurture, coach, and inspire the children we love at any age to let their genius blossom. I'm your host, Diane Planadin, and if you've been watching the show now for a while, you know that I was so fortunate to raise a son that, well, he turned out pretty amazing, number one, but number two, he found his gift early in life and literally thousands and thousands of people have asked me over the years how I did it. How did I raise him to bring out that natural talent and help him hone and develop his gift and support him through school and Really, it was a journey to realize his strengths. So I decided to create this show and um, discuss. Discuss the ideas and the theories and the stories of our adventures. But with an entire goal that's not even about me. It's not even about my son. The goal of this show is really to inspire others inspire others to help children and even help themselves realize their potential, your your calling in life, your purpose, your passion, your talent. And, and when you can realize that at an early age, wow, it's even all the better because then you have time to really hone your skills. Knowing your calling in life, your passion, your purpose, your talent, especially at an early age, is truly amazing. There, I said the word, amazing. Maybe overused word as much as awesome, but it's amazing. I'm just going to say that. And you, you have to hold on to it with all of your might. And it's just not reserved for scholars. We all have a gift and natural talent. Sometimes people know, know what they love just by catching a glimpse of it, just by, hmm. well, let me give you an example. Tiger Woods, a household name, a very well-established golfer, <laughs> which is an understatement, but he was enthralled with golf because he saw his father playing golf or hitting a few balls in the garage. I can't remember the whole story right now, but I think he was two or three years old and he loved it. And his father coached him along the way and he really honed his skills. What if his father didn't golf though? Would Tiger Woods have still become a golfer? I would like to say because of his proximity and living in California and the prevalence of golf, the answer is a resounding yes. His pathway, hmm, well, his path might have just been a little bit different. But he does have a quote that I really love. The greatest thing about tomorrow is I will be better than I am today. That almost sounds like a Chinese proverb. Very wise, very well said. 
and just in time for Chinese New Year. Yes, the Lunar New Year is upon us once more. And I love, I love to celebrate different traditions over the years. It's so much fun. And there's, I'm still exploring. I mean, every corner of the earth has different traditions, but Chinese New Year, well, that's one that we can all enjoy. And even if you didn't grow up with it, fortune, luck, or even auspiciousness are very important to the Chinese culture. And I love that. And I love the symbolism of their traditions and how important they instill this on families and keep the traditions alive. I'd venture to guess that culture is, is really what makes us different, unique, growing up in different parts of the world and being shaped by not only your geographical environment, but by your culture. And it'll, it's different, different for so many people. And now that the globe is coming together and meshing as, as one, really, and that's entirely because of the internet and the fact that I can talk to you if you are in China or Germany or the Netherlands or India or Indonesia, uh, the United States, Canada, anywhere in the world. I am not an expert on other cultures, not even close, but I think it's important to be cognizant of those traditions and why they're important because they go back generations. Some go back thousands of years. It's nice to keep that alive. And it doesn't mean that if you're not Chinese, you cannot partake in their celebrations. Wherever you are, they're, they're welcoming and they love to share their passion about their culture. So when Nicholas was uh, in grade three, in Mrs. Nichols' class, oh, it was so exciting. It was his first year of being in a gifted classroom, which meant all of the students were quite smart. <laughs> they had some pretty good strengths there, depending on their cognitive abilities. It might have been a math strength. It might have been a language strength. Regardless, that's one thing they all had in common. And Mrs. Nichols, well, she loved to hear about people's heritage and their traditions and their culture. So when Chinese New Year came around and none of the students in the classroom had that tradition of recognizing Chinese New Year or the Lunar New Year. We volunteered. Hey, we'll do something. I don't know. Let's 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 figure it out. What would be fun for all of these students to partake in? Well, Nicholas, he began with the little red envelope. The little red envelope is this well, it's lucky. It's a lucky red envelope, actually. And uh, he enclosed a, a little bit of money in each envelope. And, oh, they're beautiful. They're decorated in these, these lucky symbols. And they have blessings of prosperity to those for whom they're bestowed. 
The packet is referred to as bao in Mandarin. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But the word is referenced to yin and yang, uh, yang denoting positive energy. So he provided them with these envelopes and representing, mm, well, blessings and prosperity. And he would wish them good fortune for the year. And as he was handing them out, I would read aloud to the classroom what the symbolism actually meant and why it was such an important tradition. So it made it fun and interesting to learn something new, but there was no test to take afterwards. And they had a little red envelope that was lucky to take home at the end of the day. We also brought in our favorite Chinese food depending on the schedule for Mrs. Nichols' class, would be depending on which day it came in and love it, love it, love it, love it. To have a feast at lunchtime in the classroom. And some of the students had not tried Chinese food before and were pleasantly surprised. So it was nice to introduce them to a, a new type of food and Oh, I think I'm going to do an episode on the crazy cooking show about making Chinese food because it is so delicious. Back to the classroom. The last thing we would do is the fortune cookies with a twist because you don't want to be boring and you want it to be memorable. You want the children to be excited about traditions. So we would add an extra fortune into everyone's cookie. Not an easy task. <laughs> if you've ever tried to squeeze an extra piece of paper in a fortune cookie, it's, it's, it's not, we had a few breakage, but you know, it, it worked out well. But the whole idea was depending on what the student liked or what was happening in the classroom or what the next great goal was, we would personalize it to add a little extra inspiration into the fortune cookie. In these fortune cookies, we would acknowledge someone's effort. Yes, effort. And you might be wondering why? Why would you have to acknowledge their effort? Aren't they gifted and talented and just naturally smart? And the answer is a resounding <laughs> no. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. When children know their talent at an early age, regardless of what that might be, people just think they're lucky for some reason. Oh, isn't he lucky? A natural golfer. Isn't he lucky? A natural, you know, uh, mathematician. But it actually doesn't work that way. And just like anyone else, they have to earn their good fortune. They have to hone their talents and put in, put in the hard work. After all, people, people do have talents that they might even know they have, but they squander them. They're lazy. They don't put the work in or the practice required, which which I believe in a previous episode I spoke on the study that Erickson did that he discovered it would takes about 10,000 hours 
to really master a craft. The discipline and the activities it takes all of us to stay engaged, to stay active, it's vital. It's absolutely vital. And a quality that reminds me of a Chinese proverb, a nation's treasures is in its scholars. I'm pretty sure even Tiger Woods worked hard honing his talent and mastering the game of golf. A nation's treasure is in its scholars. I think it's a given that when you see an athlete working hard, people get it. They understand you need to practice, 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 and practice hard to get better because they're holding on to their passion with all their might, with all their energy, which makes me think about a, a TED talk I heard. It was from 2009. Elizabeth Gilbert, who is, well, she's an amazing, beautiful, eloquent writer, gave this talk and it was called Your Elusive Creative Genius. She had some really cool things to say in this talk. And she began with um, referencing, you know, writers and creative people. There's always a muse, somebody out there in the walls, like Dobby the Elf. Or the Greeks had a daemon, the Romans a genius. And she talks about how, how important that is to the creative process. My favorite part of her talk is actually her discussing an encounter with a famous poet named Ruth Stone and how she shared a story of where her inspiration came from. And Ruth would be outside working on the farm and a poem would be coming towards her. She could feel it. She could hear it. It was thunderous. And as soon as that happened, she would run for her house and grab a pencil and start transcribing, putting it down on paper. My favorite part is when she talks about Ruth telling her that if a poem started to pass by her, she would reach out her hand, literally, and grab it by the tail and pull it back towards her. What a powerful, powerful analogy. And, and so hold on, hold on with all your might for yourself, for your children. When you realize, when you realize the gift during your journey, just think of Ruth pulling that back towards her, holding on with all her might wonderful story. Thank you, Elizabeth Gilbert, for sharing that. So how do you discover your gift, your natural talent, if it doesn't come to you at an early age, if you don't have Dobby the house elf in the walls, and if you are not inspired by just simply watching someone play golf? Well, it's a journey and it's a discovery. And if you haven't, if you haven't found it yet, it's never too late. 
A journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. You need to try different things. You need to explore the world and you need to step outside and take it all in. Try, try different things. As you take your journey or help your children take their journey, do not confine your children to your own learning for they were born in another time. Yes, that's another Chinese proverb. Both, both of those quotes I just said are Chinese proverbs. And I do believe they can work for all of us. You don't need to be Tiger Woods or Rhodes Scholar for that matter. Your, your calling is your own fortune. One that is just as important as anyone else's. Sometimes it takes a long journey to realize it. I wish you all great fortune this Chinese New Year or whichever tradition you like to uphold. You may have heard me speak of my own heritage, which is a German culture. And in German, we have a different saying. It's called Mitfreud. Join with, meaning I wish you joy and happiness and I'm happy for your successes and I'm happy for your great fortune and I'm, I'm thankful for my own fortune in raising my son. So thank you, Nicholas. Thank you for being you. Thank you for sharing your traditions and the traditions of other cultures with your classmates and the music for the show. I absolutely love it. <laughs> we are all born with a gift. We are all born with purpose. Life's journey is to hone and develop that gift as purpose changes within. One final Chinese proverb to end the show. I hear and I forget. I see and I remember. I do and I understand. Words to live by. Live well, my friends. Until next week.